Blank check with Griffin and David. Blank check with Griffin and David. Don't know what to say or to expect. All you need to know is that the name of the show is Blank Check. Which would you choose? A world with podcasts or a world without? What do you mean? Humanity has always dreamt of flying, but the dream is cursed. My aircraft are destined to become tools for slaughter and destruction. I know. But still, I choose a world with podcasts in it. Yeah! Which world will you choose? Yeah! World with podcasts in it! That's the question! Well, I don't think our podcasts are going to be used for war. Yeah. Yet! Yet! Maybe torture. Yet! Exactly. Like uh, Zero Dark Thirty. Uh-huh. Crank up the blank check. Yeah. Might be used as evidence against me. Right. It's been an hour and 15 minutes. They still need to start discussing the movie. (laughs) Why are they chewing so much on Mike? They only had 45 minutes with Lulu Wong and they spent it talking about Britney Spears. Keep going. Better be thinking twice about naming names. Uh, yes, our podcast is considered warfare, and that podcast is Blank Check with Griffin and David. I'm Griffin. I'm David. It's a podcast about filmographies. Directors of massive success early on in their career, given a series of blank checks to make whatever crazy passion projects they want. Sure. Sometimes those checks clear. Sometimes they bounce baby. And sometimes the filmmaker takes the second check and then founds an entire studio so that they can make whatever they want to totally follow their whims. And then at the end of a career... Marked by kind of unparalleled artistic success and freedom, Mm -hmm. he takes a long look in the mirror and questions whether he ever should have done any of it. (laughs) It's pretty good, right? I can't deal with this fucking movie. No? I can't do I can't do with this guy. I can't I can't. I can't Who is Miyazaki? I I thought I kinda had it figured out and I can't I can't. Oh my god. Ben and I were talking about how we don't know how to talk about this fucking thing. Oh really? You guys are idiots. We're idiots! Idiots! I have a big mustache. Calling us an idiot. Idiots. Uh, Mace on the films of Hayao Miyazaki. Hell yeah. It's called Howl's Moving Podcast. Hell yeah. And we're on our final episode. Hell yeah. For The Wind Rises, which was meant to final be main his episode. final film. Right. We're doing a little bonus <laughs> for the documentaries. You know, was it meant to be his final film? I just, I, I don't believe that shit anymore. Because you could say it about like so many of his movies. I feel. This one feels like a final movie. That's what I was going to say. And but, also when it came out, I feel like everyone responded like, I think he means it this time. And I think they responded that way because of. The finality. Content of the movie. Right. And of course, his advancing age. Right. And then they like briefly shut the studio down, right? And uh, Takahata had died. Takahata dies later. But, okay. Uh, yeah. The, you know, the studio did get shut down. Um, it was one of those sort of things where he was like, well, I wasn't saying we were going to shut it down for good, but also it seemed like there were money troubles. Yeah. I don't know. That, that may have also been business related, but he definitely he retired. He retired. Yeah. But then Neon retired again. He has a question to ask us. How do you live? How do you live? Right? It's like... And my answer after watching this movie is... I I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Not comfortably. (laughs) I think... Have I said... Not with any peace of mind. (laughs) Well, A level of nuance that just makes me want to fold uh, into myself and die. (laughs) That is... Thank you, Ben. You have perfectly... 
<laughs> verbalize my my like existential crisis watching this movie where I was like I, d- I just don't know how to deal with anything everything is too complicated you have you have revealed a level of nuance and forced me for three months to get introspective of things that I cannot solve internally well, also things that will wrestle inside me this for the rest of my life good. however many more minutes that good lasts. many no but it's like he's like well, art, you know, creative suffering, work, is it all worth it? And it seems like this new one he's doing, he's like, I'm retired. And then he's like, what about living? Is yeah. that worth it? Yeah, I mean, I could. What about human existence? I could use that pick me up now. <laughs> right? I'll say that. I wish that movie was coming out tomorrow. I think it's coming out next year. Yeah. If he's um, making a movie that's just like, boy, is it great to be alive. I, I, will I don't know if it's going to have like a sort of singing in the rain I'm style hoping. buoyancy. I'm hoping. I mean, the didn't I read this quote to you? I can, the Toshiro Suzuki, uh, the um, uh, producer, uh-huh. said that he is working on how do you live as a way of saying to his grandson. Right. Grandpa is moving into the next world soon, but he will be leaving this film behind because he loves you. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, that should be the reason for, like, any Marvel movie. What if Kevin Feige just came out and he's like, we're making Thor 4 because I'm moving on into the next world soon. Yeah. I love you. Uh, uh, Fans would be like, fuck you! (laughs) (laughs) Who's is Heimdall back? Yeah. I'll be moving on to the next world, running for senator. That's the question. What does Feige do whenever he's done with Marvel? There was a point in time where everyone's belief was like he will finish his Marvel run and then try to take over Star Wars because he's apparently a big Star Wars fan and he would want to deal with that sandbox. But now I wonder if for him it's fucking worth it. The Marvel is it run is so successful in a way that is unparalleled and Star Wars has been so fraught with ups and downs despite being some of the highest grossing films in history. Right. Uh, that I think he'll just be like, I'm going to do this Marvel thing until I become president of the United States. I mean. Right? He's probably all right. I just feel like he can't move on to any other I'm thing I'm not saying I want Feige industry. to be president, nor am I like particularly like uh, excited at the idea of anyone being president, really, but certainly any like, you know, big shot rich person. But uh, I mean, he'd probably be fine. He'd be like, I don't know. He'd just sit there. Wouldn't bother me, right? Just do, do like a PowerPoint every six months, say, right? Yeah. He'd wear baseball caps. Yeah, he'd get a different baseball cap for, for every, every state. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and he'd swap them out. I don't know. He'd talk some moderately exciting sort of young politicians into like being his cabinet members. And then you'd be like, oh, they kind of lost their edge. But I mean, there's a lot of competency here. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like Maybe America, he'd be like. Marvel, competent, right. not too challenging. Right. America can be that again. <laughs> like, right. that would be his pitch. And there'd be a bunch of people. You know, America right now, it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. There'd be a bunch of people in his cabinet where you were like, oh, my God, I thought she was going to be, like, the next great politician. Right. She's sort of gotten stuck in, in housing, and it feels like yeah. they don't know what to do with her. Right. I mean, but She's like, under contract. No major screw-ups. <laughs> right. right. Yeah, but fine. it's just like she doesn't have, like, a ton to do. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> All right, so. Feige for president, sure. I don't know. Nothing <laughs> matters anymore. I mean, Marvel's an American success story, I suppose. <sighs> I never get that. I what? hate businessmen and women, mostly, uh-huh. obviously men, when they're like, America should be run like a business, and I run a good business, so won't I run it? I mean, 
Why should America be run? Yeah, who ever said that? Like when when has America ever been run like a business? This this is the this is I'm ready You're to tackle very it. Political, all of a this is the very the very fundamental issue with the American dream. <laughs> oh. <laughs> America, get ready to get roasted. I, I, I call the Boston Market because I'm roasting this turkey ass right now. Okay. <laughs> Ben Franklin is spinning in his grave. On a spit roast, because I'm roasting him, baby. I'm doing a roasting motion. This is the problem. Yeah. I feel a majority of Americans interpret the American dream as, I can become a billionaire. Uh-huh. Right, that becomes right, the greatest right. like, aspiration. This no is matter a- my circumstances, I could succeed to great wealth. America does not have aristocracy in the same sort of sense. We're finally getting yeah, to a level where now there are enough storied, moneyed families. But still... There was the idea that anyone right. could become a billionaire tomorrow. America, land of opportunity. Right. So you could strike gold. Right. That's true. The majority of Americans. Guys, I heard about some gold. You guys want to go strike it? The Matthew McConaughey movie. <laughs> I'd love to strike up a new print. I'd love to see that in thirty-five. Would you? The problem is, as as Stephen Gagan intended. <laughs> Did he? Director of Doctor Doolittle. Yeah, that's true. Which will be coming out twenty seventy four. Yeah. Right. <laughs> You just got to get that squirrel back. You ran away. I think people like the idea of America being run like a business because mm. they're like, man, people work for businesses make a lot of money. Yeah, sure. And everyone votes against their – not everyone. Too many people, people vote, against, vote their against their best interest because they're like, well, I want to be protected once I make my million. Right. I'll make my million like two two years from now, and then I don't want to have to pay any taxes. Well, that's silly. American if that's what people are doing. Bad. It's more like an American nightmare. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Splash some cold water on that face, waking me up. I'm doing a kind of a leaning on my hand, American tell me more sort of nightmare. Fucking hell. Green Why are we talking write an about, album this? about this? Because this is what Miyazaki does. What does he do? What discombobulates you? Yes. To the point that you're wondering why Americans vote against their self interest? Yes. <laughs> I don't know what to do with this movie. Uh, really? Yeah. So you watch this movie. It's uh-huh. called The Wind Rises. I did watch it. You hadn't seen it before. I had not. Um, you're, you've been ruminating on Miyazaki's career. Watching a lot of them. Watching in, in a lot pretty of them. Pretty compressed time period. Yeah, in about a month. You've yeah. sort of done the Miyazakis. Yes. Month and a half, something right, like that. Right, It's a movie about a guy, mm-hmm. young man, who has a dream. He wants to create. He wants to make something beautiful. On one hand, a very simple movie. He loves this one thing. He loves planes. He just wants to make the simplest, best plane in the, the world. The most sort of like, right, elegant, right, right. simplicity. Effective. Right, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. He wants that. And also then like, you know, hum- real human life and love messily interferes as it always will, right? Sure. You know, and so he has to contend with that. And there's a balance one can't strike and all that. And then at the end, he's sort of like, was it all worth it? And the guy's like, I don't know, but it's beautiful. Well, but you're leaving out a big element. What's the big element? Which is the thing that he wants to right. make and it make beautifully up, right. will kill everybody. <laughs> well, not everybody. It will destroy. Cuba Gooding Jr. survived Pearl Harbor okay. in Pearl Harbor. And, and thank ben, God ben, for that. Ben did, doesn't make it. Ben no, doesn't no, Ben make makes it? it, but Josh doesn't? Is that the end of Pearl Harbor? Producer Ben doesn't make it? No, no. <laughs> the ben Ducer doesn't make it? This Ben's okay. Producer Ben doesn't make it? The Poet Laureate? The Haas? The Tiebreaker? The Peeper? The Commish? The Booker? Oh. Birthday Benny? Yeah. So come up, Benny? Why not, Benny? Third by Benny? I make it. The first detective? Did I say that one already? 
The fuck man is it? Is that Professor Christopher? No. He's graduates a different time. Of course, a different man. I can't believe you're doing the name. Kyla Ben. Producer Ben. <laughs> Jesus Christ, you're stuck that early? Ben Night Shyamalan. Uh-huh. Ben Say. Right. Ailey Ben's with a dollar sign. Uh, Warhaws. Uh, say Bennything dot dot dot. Uh, ben Antin the Fennelmaker. Perdue Bane. Mr. Ben Credible. The Hosliday. Uh, the Benglish. Uh, the uh, fucking Robohaz. Yeah. Uh, eat drink Ben Hosley. Jerry sign Ben. Uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> uh, wait, no, wait. Fuck. Uh, uh, uh. Who did we do right before this? Michael Mann, but you're forgetting Burton as well. Oh, Beetle Vape Juice. Right. He is now Hasaka of the Jersey of the Ditch. Right, but you're also public Benemy number one. Well, he's public Benemy number one. Did I get all the other people? Uh, I think so, yeah. I think you got them all. Yeah. You got Nancy in there? Yeah. yeah. This is the house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't. Yes. So we did lose Ben Affleck. He, I, I no, it, is it hard? I, it's not great that I don't remember which of the two boys dies at the end of Pearl Harbor. I uh, think it's hard now. I have never seen that movie. Wait, really? Yeah. Well, I shouldn't be spoiling it for you then. Yeah, one, of, one of them gets sort of, you know, tragically killed. Does America win? Well, I mean... It's one of the funny things about Pearl Harbor. Like, obviously, no, it was well, no spoilers. devastating. But David, no spoilers. then Michael Bay like tacks on an hour long sequence where he's like, "But then we did this thing, and we kind of won when we did that." So, uh, yeah, America. It's one of the many weird things about Pearl Harbor. Gotta do Michael Bay. He'll be on the bracket. He'll be on the bracket. That's the thing with this movie, though, is like, you know, all these like. Uh, the Miyazaki sort of like uh, mentality of like, you know, a life is about committing yourself to a thing and learning how to do it perfectly and giving it your all. Right, but that may doing also so consume honestly. and destroy you. Right, it might consume and destroy you. Right. And this one adds the element of also the thing you make might destroy others. Right. You will have no control over how it is interpreted and how it is used and the effect it has right. on others. Right. But I don't. I mean, obviously, that is the message of The Wind Rises. Yeah. But I'm not sure if that's what he was drawn to as much as the first thing. Because that you know, that was the sort of trouble he got in when everyone was like, wait, is this movie like pro him or pro war or anything like that? And he's like, no, I'm not pro war. I'm very anti war. Yeah, I can't see how. You- and they were like, well, then why'd you pick this guy? And he's like, because he made these beautiful airplanes. And you're like, well, okay, but let's keep talking about it. And then he's, you know, whatever. He's walking off thinking about life. No, but all this stuff from Miyazaki goes like, you know, I, I, I hate. What these things have become. I hate the industry. I hate your virtual reality zombie. I hate your, you know. Like, right. He has this very complicated relationship with the art form he has committed himself to. Sure. He does not like what film and animation have become in culture. (laughs) Right. And you sense that he has this uneasy relationship with the fact that, like, his characters are merchandise even though they make money off of it and all these sorts right, of things. Right. He's a, not literally equating it with death. Right. I was going to say, there's a, there is a bit of a divide there. No, but I think, like, he looks at other things as a disgrace to humanity. Other works in his same realm, you know? Where he's like, I'm trying to just do this the best I can. There's the thing you said in one of the early episodes we were talking about his relationship with his son. Mm. And after his son made his first film— his response was, it was honestly made. It was honestly made. Which is one of the most cutting things I've ever heard. It was made honestly, so it was yeah. good, I yes. believe, was the uh, 
message he wrote his son after seeing it. It's not like he walked right. up to his son and was like, yeah. eh, it was pretty good. I mean, you made it very honestly. Yeah. He was like, yes. <laughs> Candygram. Not even a hug. No. Oh, know. definitely not. Obviously, we all have this impression of him as this impossibly stern man, perhaps. Yeah. I mean, he does have a jokier side. You see it in some of the you know, documentaries. Yeah, I'm sure, right? right. It's fucking funny as shit. It is funny as shit. Yeah. Um... I don't know. I just, I think, like, even if that's not the thing that innately drew him to this story, right? Mm. Uh, there has to be some part of him that connects to that element. Uh, yeah. Because he is too thoughtful a man to pick someone. Yeah, no, I don't think he's making this, like, blithely. Was then turned towards human death. Right. You know, it's not like he's like, look, I want to make a film about how I am a death merchant. <laughs> but... Right, no. He no. could have picked another artist. He could have picked someone in another field. Mike, he had, well, of course, he had, this is based on his own manga. Right. He, uh, no, no, wait. It was a late manga that it was, was late, serialized in a magazine. Right, it has right, not been collected right. a little bit, but it was like a watercolor, sort of serialized five-part story based on the biography of this man from the 50s. No, it's not based on that. It's not? No, it is based on a Japanese novel. Oh, about, interesting. About the sort of love story and this man who, a very famous Japanese right, novel. Right, right. This man who falls in love with a, a woman who has tuberculosis uh-huh. and like, right, it's that it's that whole thing. That, you know, that dynamic. That's right. the novel. And okay. the novel is called The Wind Is Risen. Right. And then there is this real person who, by all accounts, had a perfectly normal family life. Interesting. And like kids and shit. But and he like, is the actual man who designed this actual He plan. is this, you know, again, famous figure who designed the Zero, which was a very right. important airplane. So he um, kind of combined the two. Not kind of. He combined Fully the two. combines the two. You're not supposed to watch The Wind Rises and be like, it's crazy that the guy who made that airplane also had a wife who had tuberculosis. I mean, you might think that, but that's... You know, yeah. A quick Google will disavow you of that notion. Sure. He's more just kind of like, no, here's this like romantic sort of tragic narrative that's sort of famous in Japan right. about like the struggle between, you know, work and love and creativity and loss. Right. Yeah. And then here's this guy who I feel like it represents it as well. So well, I'm smushing them together. Sort of how people use the, the Pocahontas narrative. Um. Sure. Where everyone's like, there, there, yeah. there's no, no, like yeah, not I really a love story there. Right. And and I remember people like, were disappointed in the New World at the time where they right. were like, why are you doing this like very romanticized right. story of a person who was real, but like right. almost everything about her life is sort of fictionalized. And the whole love story is mostly now thought to be conjecture based yeah, exactly. on the fact that she stops her dad from killing him. Right, right. That people read into it and they're like, that must have been boning, huh? <laughs> Why else would someone spare another human's life? He looks like Colin Farrell, maybe? Well, that was Terrence Malick's big That was his take. take. Right. And a good one, if you ask me. <laughs> yeah. But that's the thing, that people are able to make Pocahontas narratives because it's an incredible, like, entry point to then, like, dig into the messiness of colonization. Right. While also having this love story to hang a hook on. It's the same thing as fucking Titanic. Right. It's like, take a fictionalized love story and use that as an entry point into a, a mm-hmm. great tragedy. Which is crazy. Yeah. Toxic Avenger. Toxic Avenger. Take a real thing that happened, the existence of New Jersey, (laughs) and pin a very romantic, idealized narrative on top of it. What if a nerd was bullied so hard he fell into a fat of toxic waste and then had a blind girlfriend (laughs) crush people's heads, (laughs) ripped guys' arms off? 
I've yes. never seen the Doctor. You've never seen it? No. I love it, and it's one of those movies I'm a little afraid to rewatch. Oh, you think yeah, like, it's been right. a while? I mean, I feel trauma like, is like that's like trauma. Yeah, in yeah, yeah, but that's like the thing. It's like trauma is like designed to be problematic. Like, yeah, tra- no, I know, I know. Right. That was right. It's pre Edge Lord, right? But it's like it's like Edge Lordy sort of John Waters equivalent kind of like what's the f- most fucked up shit we can put in a movie? And even when I was young and loved trauma, I was like, I get that the point is that. This is in horrific taste and that no one is supposed to actually like believe any of this. Sure. There's no like ideology to it. Uh, and Troma, of course, also is responsible for a lot of like important independent film like getting Miyazaki distributed in the U.S. for the first time. Right. Uh, but my memory of Toxic Adventures, I fucking love it. Sure. Okay. That's fine. I'm not. That's cool. That's cool. Maybe we put him on the brick. <laughs> Put the, the Avenger himself. Lloyd Kaufman. Maybe put Toxie on the bracket. Ask him to clean up the bracket. <laughs> he cleans up. Why are we talking about the Toxic Avenger? Because uh, oh, it was a joke about Toxic Avenger being like Titanic. Okay. It's really funny, and everyone loved it. Whoo! I just been look. I saw uh, uh, the Nightingale recently. Okay, mm. and I've already also just been in a funk. And Ben has been in a, a similar funk. And yeah. Ben and I have been having a lot of powwows about, like, what the fuck is this world we live in? What is this, like, work we're trying to do? I should split you guys up. I like, oh, you shouldn't. No, literally, literally today, my girlfriend was like, what, what, what's going on? Are you upset? I'm like, I'm just sort of thinking about, like, what's the point of life? Yes, she's like, thing oh, I've been thinking about a lot. Uh, okay. Yeah. And I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm, that's yeah. just sort of what's on my mind. Yeah, cool, 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 chill, 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 big feel, big feel, big mood. <laughs> Uh, there's all of that stuff. You know, anytime things get rough, little, little Lord Davy Sims just walks out with his Clementine. <laughs> but Ben and I are staring into the eye of Sauron. We're Stop l- looking there. It's not good. You know, he, it's a bad eye. He, look, he's got some good No, points. he doesn't. He doesn't. I don't like the racist stuff, but he's good for the economy. If, I, if you really break it down, Sauron's pretty good for the economy. Sauron is... Insanely bad for the economy. He's good for the economy. <laughs> the gold rings. All these gold rings everywhere. It's like a dozen of them. He said, I could have a gold ring someday. He said he was going to open up the factories again. He was like, he, he does do that. He promised me they were going to open up the factories again. Anyway, the point is, Ben and I have been uh, sort of assessing this hellscape and checking with each other periodically uh-huh. <laughs> while watching these very existential movies. And we have confided in each other that we've had a hard time watching these films yeah. because they have made us feel too much at a time when we're already oh, big gaping feel, wounds. Overly sensitive. Uh, it's like going to like a steam room or something, you know, where you're like, yeah. But I'm in this thing up, baby. where I'm like, A, it feels so impossible to get anything made well on your own terms sure then even more difficult to have it seen and then even when it gets seen it feels so often that it is then misinterpreted or used for bad in some kind of way um that that the sort of futility of like what are we trying to do here as like the industry is eating itself alive uh is making me feel shaky and then these movies are just like wow here's a guy who just like was like I'm going to just have a studio. I'm going to make my own films. We're never going to try to be like a billion-dollar company, sure. you know? Right. Like we're just going to truck along and stay the exact size. 
where I know I can keep doing exactly what I want to do and never overreach, which is a beautiful dream. Yeah. That has, by all accounts, kind of started to crumble only in the last four or five years. Sure, but he has essentially sustained it for his entire life. Right, I mean, which is inarguably incredible. Right. I mean, his not when he's a young man, but yeah, yeah, yeah. But then I just I fall into all this stuff of just like, what's what's the what's the goal? What do you mean? Are you asking me about the meaning of life? Yes. Do you want to just stand? It's the Keanu thing. It's the people we love. That's 100% the answer. I, mean, I don't really know what to tell people when they ask me that. It's so obviously true. It's the people you love and the things you experience and what you leave behind. It's not hard. I'm going to make them cry. I'm getting close. You know? I mean, th- but this is the thing I'm grappling with. Like, we're the- here for each other. So here's the thing I I was really kind of, like, wrestling with in this movie. Not wrestling, like, is this good or bad, but every time it happened, I was like, oh, fuck, they knocked the air out of me again. I mean, it's an undoubtedly incredibly well-made movie. Correct. Like, it's certainly not a movie you're going to watch and you'll be like, I feel like he tossed that off. The like, use of, uh, what's the name of the Italian uh, uh, airplane engineer? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, sorry, uh, we'll find... Uh, Giovanni Caproni. Okay, so Caproni in this film kind of functions like uh, Gusto in Ratatouille. Yes, 100%. Where it's like, Very here good. is right. a character right. who is a real person in the universe of this movie. Sure. Who uh, the character idolizes, our hero. Yes. You will never meet him, probably, but he, like, but he has knows imaginary him. conversations yes, right, with right, right. this man yeah. who then gives him the life advice where, you know, one can assume safely if you're not believing it's a magical thing that right. this is, in fact, his unconscious speaking to him through the guise of the man who would have. Who it's his unconscious who's like, you must create, you right. must create, you know, right. like that. That's it's what, that side What would of this him. guy right. say to me if I met him? But right. of right. course, right. it's what his brain can only imagine this guy would say to him. Right. And every time he sort of throws these big fundamental philosophical questions down on the table, like that shit about the pyramids that I butchered at the beginning of this episode. <laughs> sure, right, right, right. Where he's sort of going like, but this war seems super fucked, mm-hmm. and these planes are going to be used to bomb people. Right. And he says this thing of like, well, the question is, do you want to live in a world without pyramids or not? Right. You can't control. No, you you can't. It's true, right? I mean, right. it's a question people are asking all the time. It's like, how do I participate in society in a pure Manner. Impossible. Like, and it's not really possible unless right. you want to just like live on an island and like, eat, you know, Correct. catch a fish out of the ocean every I mean, day. Even think about science, like medicine. Yeah. Mm. Like because you're creating something that will hopefully cure someone's illness. Yes. But then the pharmaceutical company is going to gouge those right. people by, like by setting some insane price that only very wealthy people have access to. It's yeah. just, it's, it's maddening. It's the thing I love about us, which is the other movie that totally fucked with my brain this mm. year. Which is I I bo- I'm ready to watch that again. I am yeah, yeah, very yeah. ready I have to the watch Blu-ray that again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got the 4K steel book. Okay. Uh, it's really nice. That's why. You, what's the matter of life to you? The meaning of life. Getting some good steel. Books. It's like the people we love and the things you know, we, the things we feel, and also getting those steel books, baby. Can I? I mean, you want to know why I've been such <laughs> in such a tailspin recently? Why? Right before the release of Toy Story 4, Disney Pixar re-released the first three Toy Story movies in 4K steelbooks with a very consistent art style. And now the steelbook that is incoming for Toy Story 4 has a radically different art style. What the fuck am I supposed to do with that? What do you think you should they do, They just Dad? re-released them. 
It, it was a statement of intent, and of course the fourth will be coming, and it will match this art style. For the listener, Griffin's skin has turned purple, <laughs> and a, a, a lot of bats have suddenly flown into the studio and are circling him. Toy Story 1, 2, 3, hand-drawn, charming, illustrated, art style, representations of the films. Toy Story 4, some bad fucking posed stills of the characters, like the stuff they use for the teaser posters. All right, now I'm going to have to look this up to see what's getting your goat so much. No Toy Story steel books, and then we'll talk about that for 40 minutes. Um, uh, the thing, wait, why were we? Oh, oh, oh. It, this is kind of lame. Right? It's just the posters, right? Like those characters. The ones, posters, which I don't right? like them, where they're, they're in front of like the sepia background. But then look up what the first three looked like. And to add insult to injury? I, I mean, look. You're a maniac, but I cannot deny that, I mean, it's a drop-off in quality here. Those three are charming, and, and they're these of a are piece. cute, right? And You're showing me, and, and yet I have nothing in here. Okay. <laughs> I'm pointing at my head. Well, let me pour even more gasoline on the fire. In there, it's just the Toxic Avengers just walking around going like, rah, rah. Let me pour even more gasoline on the fire. Give Ralph a high five. Okay. He's giving your head is just toxic adventure and Ralph. Ralph from The Simpsons? No, Racket. He's gonna. Oh, Racket. Racket. Sorry, yeah. sorry. Yeah. Ben's two best. Friends. I know him on a first day basis. <laughs> yes. First, they announced those three Toy Story steelbooks, consistent art style. Then they announced the Toy Story Four steelbook, different art style. Then they announced that they're re-releasing seven of the other Pixar movies in 4K steelbook with the art style matching the first three Toy Stories. Well, that's better. So the only thing that stands so out is the So maybe you wait. Maybe you wait. That's exactly what I'm doing, but it drives me crazy. I mean, it's tough. You got a tough life. It's really Hit podcast. <laughs> life in New York with a beautiful woman who loves you. Uh, uh, please, Toy a Story. protocol droid. <laughs> Sorry. A female protocol droid. Yes. Uh, you know, Toy Story steelbooks, you know. It's a nightmare. Yeah. It's, it's a nightmare. I can't on. catch a break. <laughs> I know our listeners are just, they just had to sit down and start crying yeah. hearing you talk about that. Yes. They can't, they're overwhelmed with emotion for you. They are. I will say today, someone posted in our Reddit, like, does Griffin have like celiac disease? It's like trying to like hack your diet. Yeah. That's how much they care about you. Guess what? Have fun. Every doctor has been trying to crack this for 30 years now and no one's gotten close. You know what it is? It's anxiety, motherfuckers. Yeah, well. I try to eat I would, better. That would be my diagnosis. I will test out different diets. Mm. Nothing seems to make it better or worse. Yeah. The only thing that seems to make it better or worse is my state of mind. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I've been pooping a lot lately. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. The thing I want to say was, uh, us, the thing that hits me so hard with that movie is, you know, what I believe the takeaway from that film is we have to sort of in some way reckon with and accept the fact Get Ralph with. we have to reckon Ralph with. and accept that we live in a society where in order for one to succeed, someone else must always suffer or, or, right. yeah, on, that, that, on any it scale. Does, it doesn't even have to be one to one, although I like that metaphor in us, but right. That like there's so much going on in the world right. that you 
have to not think about, have decided not to think about, right. you know, where, right. And it's there. And if you just went down a fucking escalator, you'd even see it. Right. But we just wouldn't think to go down the escalator. It's not one-to-one with a tether. We've learned to not go down the escalator. When you're a kid, you might go down. Right. Because you're still kind of like thinking about the world, right? Like in like a sort of an innocent. And And then you work hard enough to get a nice country house where you could stay with your family and not think about the other shit. And then they show up. And then that's the problem. It's a great movie. We all train ourselves to become... Oblivious. It's a great movie. And then everyone walked out of it being like, As a mode but of like, where'd they get the scissors? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who's doing laundry? Yeah. I love it. I think it's a great movie. It's I think a fantastic it's a movie. I agree. Yeah. It's a Glaster piece. It's a Glaster piece. Yeah. It is. So the the fact that, give me the name of the Italian guy again. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Giovanni Caproni. In Wind Rises, that his subconscious speaking to him through the vessel of his idol, keeps on trying to, like David, say, like, what can you do? You just got to build these beautiful things. Sure. And at the end of the movie, that final scene, which broke me. Great scene. And it's sort of, they're watching this, like, ascension of planes into the sky. Yes. That's sort of reminiscent of Porco Rosso when you see the planes sort of going into heaven. And you see, like, the fucking, like, bombed oh, yeah. out remains. Yeah. The fact that anyone thought this movie was pro-war when it ends so explicitly. Stupid. I don't know if they thought it was pro-war. Who knows? It certainly, there were, there, were, there were some, I would say, bad faith attacks on this movie. And then some uh-huh. people more expressing their opinions and whatever. But it's like, A, the fucking... I mean, he's, he, the Japanese, the more like, the sort of more military, pro-military Japanese politicians certainly think of him as not an ally. They think of Miyazaki as like unpatriotic, you know, like right. he's a pacifist and like, you know, there's certain politics in Japan are like, we should become more militaristic again. Yeah. We should rewrite our constitution to have a military again, things like right. that. You know, and I, then it's weird that some American critics saw this movie and were like, what's he, he like doing? A this? Right. Anyway, yes, they're watching the planes, they're seeing the seeing destruction. destruction, and the guy's like, good job, you had your 10 years, we all only get 10 years where we're actually doing good work, which is another weird thing, because Miyazaki keeps on trying to walk away, like he keeps trying to pull the Tarantino, right. where he's like, I'm putting a limit which on, I'm walking away while I'm still to good. Tarantino, right. right, yeah. I'm walking away, and then he's like, so, 10 years, what do you think, how do you feel about it? And he's like, I don't know, I made this thing. It was really good, but, like, the planes didn't come home. Right. Like, they killed people, and all the people flying them died, right. and none of them made it back. Right. And he goes, well, it, they had nothing to come home to. Like, there was no home left. Yeah. Which is like, wait, so, wait, the end result is he made a beautiful plane right. that was used to kill people. Right. Then the people piling them got killed. Right. And it was all sort of for naught because the entire like civilization was destroyed and had to rebuild itself. And in the Miyazaki's takeaway is like, yes, but we must live, right? Like that's sort of like because the wife appears and she's like, you have to live, and he's like, okay, okay. I, I think it's not beautiful because it lasts, right? Right. It's beautiful because it happens. Anyway, this is a uh, animated film that made like hundreds of billions of dollars in Japan. Okay. I mean, that's the craziest thing. I know. You see this and you're like, okay, well, this was more niche, right? And it's like, yeah. You know, okay, compared to Spirited right. Away, yes, it it's made less money. Only the 15th highest grossing <laughs> right. film of all time. It still performed like a huge blockbuster in Japan. Yeah. I gotta say, it's like, it feels like uh, all the other cultures are more cultured than we are. <laughs> you know, you don't think America is number one? Get a foam finger for me right now. Even just the fact that all these. Okay. <laughs> David's got a big foam finger on. 
Uh, I'm writing down foam finger for David. It says Colin Farrell on it. <laughs> um, Hell yeah. The, the fact that all these uh, Ghibli releases are doing so well in China mm. is just like, why are the American studios all about, like, we have to dumb everything down so that it's universal, so right. that it plays everywhere in every other country. And then you look at the box office in other countries and, like, uh, foreign independent dramas do crazy well. No, I think, yeah, America's just a gimmick that's sort of already <laughs> gone sour. People are like, yeah, we got, all right, so we've seen the American movies now. Like, they were illegal for a while or hard to find. Right. So, like, you know, seeing them was kind of crazy and they were yeah. so expensive. But we figured out how to do that. So, uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, whatever. Right, now they just like good it. stories. Everyone's like, wait, fuck stories, stories, Shit. stories. What was we the fired um, all those guys. stories? Uh, <laughs> someone remind me quickly. Tip of my tongue. Stories are the uh, the effects. What are the. Is that what we call the explosions? Yeah. <sighs> the wind rises. The wind I rises. mean, it's a Miyazaki movie. It's complicated. I feel like his movies are rarely like you walk away with, like, that's the one a thing he's trying to tell me. Right. Well, and, right. Yeah. If this was an American movie, that's what the Italian guy would be like, ah, Chef Boyardee. Yes, right. Right. Uh, It does frustrate me, though, that uh, what you were talking about people like in in sort of bad faith misinterpreting this movie Mm. is just this thing that just like I feel like especially in uh, uh, the American discourse – uh, people get upset if things are not super didactic mm-hmm. in terms of the filmmaker being like, I don't approve of this! Mm-hmm. I think this is bad! Right. That, like, if a main character does something shitty right. or is... I mean, this is a problem in the way we talk about movies. Right. Yeah. And things. Right. Or even in the case of this film, a main character makes something which is then used by other people to do horrible things. Right. That's like, so wait, he's saying that the death was great? Miyazaki's like super into bombing. This guy wants wind to rise? Yeah, but that's fucking insane. Ben, did you like this movie? I don't know. Okay. That's cool. Uh, it, it fucked me up too. Fuck me up. It's um, unbearable. It's I love really it. really unbearable. I had I to watch it. it in a few, like I had to put, yeah, I had sure, to stop. Sure. I took some breaks. Like, yeah, take I a took break. Some breaks. Yeah. You shouldn't take breaks. You should watch it twice. I mean, just a quick, like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> A cool down on a the cool old uh, elliptical. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Something that did stick out to me mm. is I don't think I've ever seen an, an animated movie mm. that was that made me think this much that wasn't just like action driven. Sure. Like this was like this was like a uh, this could be a live action movie. Yeah, it's basically a period drama. Right. Like, you know, it would it has like a couple Set pieces. Ben, you've never seen an animated film that made you think this much. Uh, need I remind you the question, what if the world but cars? <laughs> what? You can remind me. <laughs> or what if cars but spies? <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I hear cars you. Cars but spies? Cars too. Oh. A huge question. It asked the audience. <laughs> no, it didn't make me think. What if cars but spies? What is, what is what's three? What if cars... Two makes Cars Three look like Cars One. Right. Cut it all. I out. mean, yeah, yeah. Actually, Did you watch yeah. the uh, subs of the dub? I watched the subs. I would agree that that is the experience that you should go for, especially with a movie like this. It's actually set in Japan. Yada yada yada. You don't think you should watch the version of the film which Joseph Gordon-Levitt is designing <laughs> the planes? I've seen this movie, I think, a few times. So this is the first. I decided to watch it with the dub uh, because I had never even thought to watch it with the I dub. Want to watch? Live in a world with pyramids. So, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Yeah. 
is fine. Uh-huh. Is Euro. My wife has tuberculosis. <laughs> but I, what I was not aware of, I did not really check in on who was in it. Uh-huh. But I knew it had like a, you know, these days they have very exceptional like American cast. Because there's a crazy one in there. Werner Herzog. Yeah. And he's so good. Really? Yeah. I mean, he's Castorp. He's the German right. guy. Yes. It's right. the one thing that tempted me to watch the dub. I mean, he should do this more often. He, I mean, obviously. I, I watched the dub right. as well. And he's so good at it. I mean, Werner Herzog has a good voice. It's right. not breaking news at no. all. Obviously, people love to hear him go like, you know, talk about bears and caves. Sure. And, sure. You know, roads. Right. Nature. Right. Nature. I, I think his one scene is the is still the high point of all of Rick and Morty. It's a great scene. Like it, anything in his voice is funny and profound. At the right. Same this is more profound. Yes. Um, oh, God. Well, and but him he's playing so this character he has is that, quite a choice. It's an interesting choice. Yeah. But he has that slightly sinister edge to yes. his diction. Yes. But also he's playing a character who is, we know, a good guy, but right. has still has sort of this like kind of unsettling vibe to him. He is sort of haunted and jovial haunted at the same and, time, which right. is an uneasy combination. And he's like, sort of like it's good that they're getting married. Yeah. And and all that. But you're kind of like, yeah, but he he almost seems like the specter of like tragedy yes. hanging over the whole right. thing. Right. And of course, he's also just like a specter of like the war to come. He's like the ghost yeah. of World War Future. He, he, hun, that's what he is. He's like, that's what he's he's like, like he, it's like Nazis are coming. Right? Yeah. Uh, we could like use that guy them. about now. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Would that you was guys, the other thing. I mean, that just flipped me out, too. It's just like, uh, man, it's hard watching World War II shit now. Yeah, like, it's interesting to have new vantage points on history. Mm-hmm. And this was a new vantage point for me because, yeah, Japan yeah. and Germany were working together. They yeah. were on the same side. Like, I, you know, it's like, yeah, I forget that they were collaborating even, like, in the, in Essentially the specifics from, from of the, this movie, like that they were from the sharing point that technology. Japan was like kicked yeah. out of the League of Nations and Hitler rises to power. So, like you know, most of the 30s, yeah, yeah, um, and the 2010s, the 2010s, yeah. Saying it feels a little bit like history is repeating. <laughs> what, what you think? Japan and Germany are the enemies. Hitler rising to power. No, uh, I think America, unfortunately, is the enemy mm-hmm. now. Twenty twenty. But I mean, you could make this movie about yeah. the you know uh, the scientists who worked at the Manhattan Project. Like sure. you could make this movie about like all kinds of sort of right uh, architects of death who thought of themselves as like scientists and creators sure. and things like right. I mean, it's it is. A, you could uh, make this about signing the Declaration of Independence. <laughs> oh, this is our most <laughs> fucking about like, Chapo episode destruction. <laughs> hey, Chapo, go on blank check. More like it. Your challenge. Challenge. Um, I'm a moron. I don't know anything. Can I, can I just say, uh, I think the the distinction, saying, though. Yeah, no, no, there, of course, there's distinctions. I'm just saying, like, you know, obviously, Japan's not the only uh, country that yes. uh, did bad things. Uh, no, good, very bad. Don't do it. Right. The distinction is that uh, a lot of, uh, you know, decent scientists worked on the Manhattan Project and sure. what have you. Uh, you know, there are many other examples, but um, a bomb can only ever be used as a bomb. That is true. 
And a plane is not explicitly a weapon of war. Right, which is why this is such a fascinating story. Right. right. He but is I mean, in he love was, with the plane, and he, he it has the, the ill fortune of being born in a time where the only planes they need are to kill people. Who's going to give them money? The military. Right. And, like, if you work in aviation, even now, probably, like, it would be difficult to not... Uh, to to avoid things like military contracts. This guy's right? born no, you know. thirty years later. Maybe he's just working for TWA. Hey. You know what I'm saying? Sure. He's working for Pan Am. Right. Hanging out with uh, Christina Ricci and Michael Robbie, Kelly Garner. <sighs> Three out of five ain't bad. <laughs> you, See, you done? Miyazaki yeah. is like the kind of director where like we're having this conversation, and, mm-hmm. and I'm thinking like, okay, pillows. Pillows yeah. are great. If you make pillows, what what can you do Nothing wrong? Bad can happen. Well, you could fucking smother someone with a pillow. Dishonest attendant at a retirement home. So it's like, why bother making pillows? Why bother making pillows? Someone will murder someone with pillows. Well, what you guys are describing is an existential crisis. (laughs) Yeah, I have called it as much many times on this episode. I am not hiding behind any smoke screen here. I'm not saying you're hiding. Radical transparency here. Ben and I are going through existential crises together and separately. For the listener, also context, um, Griffin is wearing a shirt that says, I feel everything. (laughs) Just wanted to mention that at this point in the episode. Um, feeling sensitive. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. What do you think is going to be good? (laughs) I'm worried about that one. Let me tell you. Well, that talking about the culture. Will that have come out by this point? Uh Wow. Uh huh. I can't. We're going to be living in a post. I know a twisted world. Or maybe he'll untwist it. He's so fucking sick. That is the most twisted thing the Joker could do. Is make something not twisted. Straighten it out. All right, so the plot of The Wind Rises. It begins with... I'm losing my mind. You are. You are. I don't know what to do. What do we do? Talk about The Wind Rises. Okay, cool. Oh, boy. Okay. That opening sequence, though, mm. where he's a kid... Yes. ...and he's trying to you know imagine oh, as being yes, a pilot. his nightmare scene, And then his eyes turn into, like, fish it's eyes. so cool. And he's like puts the glass, but it's too late. Like, and he's—I mean—that's Miyazaki. I think also reminding you, like, just because this is a more grounded story doesn't mean I can't use this medium like to every advantage. More grounded outside of dream sequences, this is the only film of his that does not take place in a fantastical world. Uh, Yeah, Uh, now I want to double check. Like I'm saying, even Cagliostro is not as explicitly magical, but it is. This is a real place, and Ben was trying to book a plane there. Remember. Thank you, Ranky. I mean, Ponyo kind of takes place in our world. It's just that there's magic. It's got magical in it. shit. That's no, what I'm know, I know, I know, I know. This is the only movie of his that does not right. have magic in it. And Cagliostro, huh? you can like uh, try to split the hair, but I'd say yeah, like, no, right? No, come on, that's a fake place, right? Um, <laughs> underwater city, right? Um, th- this is a movie that's in the real world, other than these dream sequences, which are incredibly expressionistic. So it is somewhat bizarre to watch a movie in which the majority of the scenes are to watch Miyazaki film in which the majority of the scenes are people sitting in real places knowing that the fire is not going to come to life. Yeah. You know, or, or a, a spirit is not going to like knock on their door or any of that. Right. Um, and beyond that, like a lot of the scenes are just people chatting. Yes. At the office. Right. Him and his wife at right. home. Like, right. 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 I love the, um, the, the, the way that, she paints like the 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 look of her, yeah. her her medium. Yes, it's so, like I mean I was blown away. 
Yeah. Have you seen what the the manga looked like? Um, no, have you? Yeah, it's really pretty and it's kind of scratchy. It's pretty? It's watercolor and it's scratchy. Oh, it is pretty. Yeah, I actually have seen this. Yeah. I, oh, I kind of wish he could have figured out how to make a whole movie look like that. Because Kaguya comes out a year or two after this. Uh, no, I thought it came out. Oh, did it come out before? before. Uh, no, maybe a year after. This I is 13. Yeah, I think Kaguya is 14. Yeah, uh, Princess Kaguya is 2014. Yeah. What, what a. I love that movie. But that movie was incredibly expensive and laborious. Oh, I know. Right. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's right. why there's a reason people don't make a whole movie look like that. Right. It's because it's tough. But when I saw it and I was like, wait, every single scene looks like that? This isn't just like a dream sequence? The whole movie is like watercolor paintings? That movie, I mean, I find The Wind Rises to be uh, unbearably devastating. Uh-huh. I find The Princess Kaguya to be like that X-10. <laughs> like yeah. where like I'm almost afraid to think about that movie. Yeah. Uh, Ah, and that's a fable. That's you know, that's not real at all. Right, right. That's incredible. That movie. That movie rules. That is a true blank. It fucks. It slaps. It's a bop. Mm-hmm. As the kids would say. So you have this dream sequence, and he wakes up, and he's very haunted by the fact that he believes he is too nearsighted to ever successfully fly a plane. Right, which is his dream. He's talking to Caproni from very early on. Right, he's having those dream sequences. Right. Uh, where he's like, I've never flown a plane. Yeah. Like, I don't care. That's for basic bitches. Right, exactly. You gotta be making the plane. Let other dummies fly it. And it is kind of fun how little this movie is about the the like the process of flying a plane. Sure. You know, there's a couple sequences where you see them being flown and like the right. speed testing and all that. But like, they're rarely sitting down and being like, this is what the pilot needs to know. They don't think about that too much. But if I can, you know, get a little like, for a second... There is this analog. It's just about the worst way to set something up ever. If I can get, if a, I can little, get a little <laughs> about this. If I can get a little. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, there is an analog here to like, I will make this thing that hopefully transports people to another place. Sure. Right. And I just sit back and hope that it works for them. Right. You know? Uh, like the other movie I kept on thinking about watching this is The, um, uh, the Mule. In a film that I think is also similarly Great revealing a director trying 100%. to find a movie about the way that they make films. Like how they view their career. And, and their life. And he's like, I just plant flowers. You right. plant six a day. And some of them are good and some of them are bad. That's the mule. But right, it's that. And then they're like, but what about your family? And he's like, I'm guilty. Send me to jail. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, like Miyazaki's like, it's this movie is like, but what about the people in your life? And he's like, I tried. What could I do? Yeah, right. I, I tried my best. my best. But like, I lose people, and I. Whereas like, right. Eastwood's verdict on himself is like, well, I'm just I'm a simple guy. Like your wife and kids. I know. Take me to jail. <laughs> <laughs> I'll plant my flowers there. Book me, Dano. And like, he sees Bradley Cooper. And he's like, you got to remember their birthdays and shit. And he's like, I know. And he's like, yeah. Well, that's my advice to you. I'll see you later. <laughs> and then that's the end of the movie is him being like, remember that shit I said about the birthdays? Yeah. Now reprocess that through the prism of knowing that I was the guy that you were hunting down. Right. A little more ominous now, huh? Yeah. The birthdays. What a wild movie. I got to buy that on 4K Steelbook. Where's the Steelbook of that? There isn't. There's a 4K. There's no Steelbook. Okay. Do you have the Sully 4K? Yes. Gorgeous. <laughs> oh. Got to see those birds. Four thousand lines of resolution. <laughs> I mean, if I if I have one one note 
for the Sully 4K. I wish they'd done it. <laughs> for fuck's sake. That's what I gotta say to that. But this thing of like, uh, you know, especially being an animator, it is this weird, like, solitary life where you're like, like ruthlessly devoted to this craft as equal parts like mathematical and artistic, right? Mm-hmm. Like th- there is such a technical aspect to animation that makes it different from a lot of other art forms. Sure. Because it is this like uh, impossible illusion, like this thing that shouldn't work. Right. That you need to keep in your head at all times in order to keep that illusion up in the air mm-hmm. while also having this sort of like creative lens to be able to like – uh, realize things that people could only imagine, but you just like sit in a room obsessively drawing over and over and over and over and over again, or whatever form of animation you're doing, and it's still just constant, meticulous, solitary, obsessive. Is that shot of him at the desk? Yes. And, like the the wind, like just blowing all the pages away. Right. Ugh. And then you're just like, I hope this makes people feel good. Right. You know, you just kind of like put it out into the world, and you're like, well, I hope that was all worth it. I hope I didn't waste five years of my life making ugly dolls. Well, well, how ugly are they really? Not enough, if you ask me. Okay. Fundamental flaw. Early in the movie, he's on a train. Well, this is the point. Now he realizes I'm going to commit my life to making yeah, the plans. Yeah, yeah. He's going to go to um, university, Tokyo Imperial University. Yes. He's going to study aeronautical engineering, and yeah. he meets a Naoko Satomi, mm-hmm. uh, and there's the earthquake. She catches his hat. It's like anytime they meet, it's like the earth is, you know, active, right? Like the wind is blowing and the earth is shaking or things like that. She also catches his eye. You can't know what I'm saying. Yeah, right. And captures his heart. Yeah, I did. Come on, the earthquake sequence is incredible. Insane. The way he animates that is just, I never thought that you could do that. I I didn't either. And I thought he was getting magical for a second. I was like, oh, is this another dream sequence? Right, right. Is this like an expressionistic thing? And it's like, oh no, it is. It, it's that the the Earth is quaking. Right. This thing that is insane. Just sort of like rippling mountains. Yes. Of, right. Like, right. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think if you're Japanese, you might have that. Like that's such a notorious event. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Although earthquakes do sort of get forgotten. It's sort of like you know what I mean. Uh, yeah, because it keeps happening. They, right, and but also like yeah, if it, you know the, the Kanto 1923 earthquake. Mm-hmm. I mean, it killed a hundred and like forty thousand people, which is crazy. Kira goes to school. Yeah. He meets his friend, Kira, mm-hmm. in the dub voiced by John Krasinski, somewhat unsettlingly. That's weird. But you forgot to mention, he, he shows oh, well, he has, right, there's the earthquake. heroism in the wake of the earthquake. He does. And it's- Her maid breaks her leg. Right. Right. And he, without even sharing his name- He should have shared his name. Selflessly carries her back, right. helps a stranger out. But he's not even going to see these people again. No, it's it's just for years. No, it's it's a basic human empathy. It's a man realizing he's in a position to help others. Right. In a moment of great tragedy and disorientation. Right. Anyway, then he meets John Krasinski. Yeah, he meets John Krasinski. It's kind of confusing that there's no like to to the camera stuff happening. You think they should do like they should do like a sort of. Ferris Bueller style, like no. the thing about making airplanes. No, is. not even that. I feel like he should just sort of like spin around in his rolly chair and just sort of like look at the camera with sort of like an askance, sort of like wry smile. Uh huh. Ben's pointing at me. That's what I was. Guys, we're about. really burnt out. I guess classic, just wild Halbert. shit. Um. Oh, I just got that you were doing office yeah. references. I don't, I don't remember that how- show. 
Apparently, you're the only one. I think it is weird. America's number one. Where TV everyone's show? like, I watch the rewatch the office all the time, and I'm like, I you think did? I got it. Yeah. Like, the first time. And Parks and Rec of it bad? is the yeah. new one. Yeah. Like, where I feel like every, I see people That's on the train watching like, that, that all the time. That one kind of lost steam. Like, I didn't it even really hate it, but it. like, both Parks and Rec and The Office is so like, isn't like the back half of those shows sort of inarguably a little worse than the front half? Well, yeah, I mean, I feel like The Office has two and a half inarguably bad seasons. Right. Right? Yes. At the end. Yeah. Not to mention that there's some ups and downs before that. Uh-huh. Out of nine. Eight or nine. And yeah. the fact that people are like, yes, once a year I watch all 189 episodes of The Office. <laughs> it's, it's a lot. Is there more than that even? I think it's eight. No, I think it's, it's nine, nine seasons. seasons. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 189 episodes. I think you nailed how many episodes oh, there are. Boy, I would no. Be- 201. I was... Pretty close. close. Pretty close. 201, 201 episodes, episodes, though. It's a lot of episodes. 201 episodes. A show I enjoyed when it was on, I stopped mean, about four months after Corral left. Me too. And have never felt any when compulsion Corral to When Corral left, I was like, oh, the writing's on the wall. And I like gave it a few episodes, and I was like, yeah, I think I'm going to tap I thought the three ferals after Corral were good. Well, and then right sure. after that, I was like, what the fuck are they doing? Right. Yeah. Well, Krasinski's in this. He plays Kiro. Mm-hmm. Um, they work at Mitsubishi. Mm-hmm. They design. They're designing a plane. Mm-hmm. Um, there's that scene where the plane like breaks apart. <laughs> Ben's taking a picture, taking a picture of me. Picture of you. Do, should I pose my shirt? Is that better? Oh yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll come around. Okay. Keep going. David, keep talking. Ben, I'm just doing a little modeling shoot for Ben. It's like you're so sprawled. I'm very sprawled. Um, and so because they don't really know what they're doing, like mm-hmm. they're sort of technologically behind, they're sent to Germany. Mm-hmm. And this is, yeah, I mean, this is another sequence where you're like, yeah, you really think this guy is pro-Japan yeah. in the 30s? Yeah. Because, like, all this stuff where they're in Germany, and they're just there, like, they're like, we are airplane nerds. Yeah. We hear you guys are next level on the airplanes. Right, like, we, you know. we got transferred to, like, the, the headquarters. Right, right. Yeah, we're moving up the job ranks. We're working on better airplanes now. Uh, and they see the, the Junkers 38, yeah. which I think is another, like, I mean, this is Miyazaki is so deep on this shit. Yeah. I don't know anything about early aviation. No. But I think like that's sort of a famous like there were only like two ever built. Oh, interesting. But it was a crazy plane. Is it pronounced Junkers? I believe so. Because it's spelled Junkers, which is really funny. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. You know how German be. Yeah. Um and like, but then as but as they're doing this, mm-hmm. They're seeing like the secret police are going around and you know the Gestapo are beating people up and the, you know and a little bit of anti-Semitism, a little bit of that. Yeah. And, you know, it's like Germany is this sort of like sort of kind of frightening, shadowy place, and mm-hmm. like you know they don't they want to walk into the plane and the military's like you can't do that, and right. they have to like negotiate all that. Like, but this movie's pro war. <laughs> but like, I do think like th- when you're watching this movie, and especially if you're someone, obviously we are young people. Relatively, Speak I mean, feel right. Yeah, yeah, I'm an but, old soul. Um, but you know, if you're someone who maybe has more of a closer connection to the Second World War mm-hmm. and maybe more of a lingering resentment, that's just kind of you know possible to dismiss. You're about like, the I don't want to see anything even vaguely sympathetic about anyone who was hundred that right hundred percent that. Even Germans. though right, yeah. he was right. He obviously not in the military, but right. like, um, you see a scene like that, and you're like, right, why didn't they at that point be like, you know what? Fuck Germany. This yeah. place is clearly, which is, I feel like, the frustration people feel about so many of those kinds of stories. Yeah, or like things why, that are happening today. What What do you mean? Everything's great today, right? Wait, 
Trump, oh, uh, he's yelling at the Danish prime minister because he uh, won't sell him Greenland. Uh, Democrats, uh, J- Jews are anti-Semitic if they vote for a Democrat. Right, right, right. Uh, and he was chosen by God. New rule. And he's the king of Israel. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, anyway, so uh, I'm seeing here that a new rule would let the U.S. hold migrant families indefinitely. So when I'm talking about yeah, the 30s, one. I'm yeah. saying, why didn't anyone... Uh, it's know. weird. They should have gone like, hmm, some bad stuff is happening. Let's stop it right now before it goes any further. And I do think that is much of what he's trying to dig into in this movie. Yes. Right. It's like, you're, it's tough not to think, you know, you're going to think personally, obviously, because you're a person. Right. It's tough to think outside yourself. You can try and people do. But like you are maybe eventually going to run into that thing of like, well, I'm just trying to do what I'm trying to do. Do my I job, don't have marry my dying beliefs. girlfriend. Right. I get caught yeah. up in all this other stuff. I want to turn a fucking herringbone into a <sighs> wing. And isn't that beautiful? He loves the curve. And at the end, his creative self, his Italian uh, avatar yeah. is like, it was beautiful. But I'm pretty sure Miyazaki is like, look, you know, there's a lot to take in here. Like, I don't think Miyazaki is the Italian guy. No. But he's got that Italian guy on his shoulder, too. Yes. Whoever that is for him. Right. Right. This is an animated movie by a guy who mostly makes films for children. That's a tune. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think if uh, Hoskins and Roger Rabbit... Eddie Valiant? Yeah, if he saw, like, Jiro from this movie, he'd be like, it's a tune! (laughs) Yes. Damn tunes! Damn tunes bombed my brother! (laughs) They live in that art film land yeah. over there where everything is right. subtle and moving. Right. It's so much more convoluted. It's uh, that that damn tone over there designed a plane which then the Allied government military used to bomb my uncle-in-law. I just like the the idea that like Toontown might have like a sort of Ghibli zone. Yes. And rather than everything being like wacky, everything is like, you know, deeply profound and resonant. Eddie Valley hates he it. He goes, he's like, it's too resonant. <laughs> I'm thinking about humanity and our relationship with nature. I drink for a reason. I don't want to feel this much. It's a tone. Okay. <sighs> okay. Um, so Werner Herzog does a good job. I watched it subtitled. Uh, but sure. But I, so after the German yeah. sequence, I feel like he sees Caproni again, and Caproni right. is like, Planes are beautiful. Like yeah. humans may not be, but planes are beautiful. Yeah, and the things that humans do with planes might not be beautiful, but that doesn't diminish the beauty of the plane. Do um, you want to live in a world without pyramids? What do we think of Kurukawa, um, who is Jiro's boss? It's mm. a pretty great character, in my yes. opinion. Uh, voiced by Martin Short in the dub. Interesting. Um, Remind me a lot of uh, the boss whose name I'm embarrassingly forgetting from The Incredibles. Because he's short. Short and kind of similar kind of stocky. That's a Wallace Sean. That's a Sean. That's a Sean. It's a classic Sean. But but I like that he is sort of like business like, and a little mean, and obviously like not very like forthcoming with the compliments. Mm -hmm. But like at his heart, you know, a fairly moral person. Yes. And uh, you know when when things start to get rough and the secret police start to rear their head in Japan, mm-hmm. like, he's like it's he's he does good things, but in the same like kind of like get in here, or they'll arrest you. I guess I don't care. Sit there now. Well, even when the marriage comes up, that right. he's like, you got to convince me that this isn't about your ego, right? Because if you're doing it for your ego, you're really going to hurt this girl, right? That's a pretty incredible scene. That's a pretty incredible scene. Um, and also, his hair is funny and it bounces when he walks. That's really. Um, 
but he, you know, he gets hired for the Imperial Navy. He's mm-hmm. trying to build a plane again. Doesn't work. It fails in testing. It's rejected. So he goes to uh, this resort mm-hmm. to chill out. And who's there Mm-mm-mm. standing on the balcony suffering from tuberculosis? Hardcore. Good old Noko. Yeah. That whole thing's great. The hat. And it's like they've been waiting, waiting to see each other. The paper yeah. airplane. Yes. I love that whole end of Herzog and like I, lo- I love all of that. Yeah, it's like, very romantic. That like you, yeah, it's romantic. You seem defeated. But it's my life. But go, yeah, go on. No, it's romantic, but also like he, even though he's there to escape, he can't escape from one like the specter of the coming war. Yeah, but also like feeling, you uh-huh. know, right? Like you know, he's falling for this person who's going to affect his life negatively in a lot of ways because uh, like he's gonna yes. have to worry about her and. It's going to impact his work, and she's going to be sick, and like there are all these bad things. But like, you know, love, man, you gotta love conquers all. It does, right? Mm-hmm. That's what the Wachowskis say too. Mm-hmm. Did you see that? I think it was Lily. One of them was like, "It's just love conquers all." That's what our movies are about. Yeah, they rule. They do rule. I just can't. I I have so many questions about their split. And Lana doing Matrix solo. At the time we were recording this, that announcement was yesterday. Yeah. And you have heard us react to it in real time. That's true. Uh, the episode where David gets broken. Yeah. Uh, during Howl's Moving Castle. But I just, I like last night, I just couldn't stop stewing on all the different possible scenarios. Well, I feel, you mean just on like how it's going to go? Like what the story is? No, literally just the state of their relationship and how it ended up with one of them agreeing to do the movie and not the other. They may talk about it someday, but it does seem like this sort of split that was presented as temporary yeah. for Sensei season two right. has become permanent. But, like, yeah. Sort of like either for personal reasons or professional reasons or thing. both. It just like, felt like for a while the split was sold as like, oh, like Lily kind of wants to keep working and Lana's sort of done. Right. And then that has proven to very much not be the case. Um, you're flopping the names, but that's okay. I'm not. The The belief for a little while was Lana was like done. Really? Yeah. And Lana. it was like, right. And it was like, oh, Lily's no, going to. Lana's like, the one who did season two of Sensei. Yes. Right. And Lily didn't because it was like sort of right after transition, yeah, 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 like yeah. sort of. Right. 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 Um, but then the stuff I had heard was after Sensei, one of the mm. reasons they sold the company was Lana was like, I feel like I've said everything I have to mm. say. And Lily then goes on to like produce the sitcom. And the right. idea was like, well, she's still going to like find ways to like, sure. you know, work on things. But maybe they're big, pass- passionate, personal maybe projects. Maybe it was just a thing of like Warner Brothers being like the Matrix. Like, right. what do you think? And like, if you don't do it, someone else will. Sure. And Lily was definitively like, mm, I don't like too much or yeah. I'm not interested in going back there. Or whatever. And Lana was like, well, I cooked up this idea with novelist David Mitchell. So crazy. And here's a script. And Warner Brothers apparently loved the script. So like maybe. You that's know, not. They, so right. they that's not just, oh, we've hired these people to write it. No, they, there's a script. That's crazy. Right. I didn't even realize that. Yeah. Which is great. There was that statement by Lily. At the TCAs where she's like, I'm very excited for other people to have a chance to do The Matrix. Right, right, right. It doesn't belong to me. I hope they make an even better movie. Impossible. Well, that's why it's weird, though, that she was saying that. Was she just being coy? I don't. I have no idea. Or was she in the dark? Couldn't tell you. I don't know. Okay, the wind rises. It's rising. It's rising. 
Uh, do you do you like the Castorp scene and the assist, you know, the whole sort of like romantic interlude? Castor is very striking looking. He has such is. a different sort of style of character. And he's got like gray eyes that yes. are very prominent, very and Herzog again, very strange. But he's sort of in certain ways like more caricatured. He sort of has more exaggerated features than anyone else. He's in the got movie. kind of a simple face, too. Like not a lot of lines to it, big nose. Right, but his eyes are crazy his and his nose is crazy. huge. He's based on uh, the German novel The Magic Mountain by Thomas okay. Mann, which is a cru- his name comes from that. Okay. Um, which is apparently a sort of crucial influence on this film. Uh-huh. Um, which is uh, a movie I think that he wrote when he was his wife was at a sanatorium. It all comes back to this, you know? Yeah. Um, I don't know much about Miyazaki's personal life. I know he has kids, obviously. Right. I don't know much about it. Like, I don't know if he went he went through anything like that. I mean, he doesn't really talk about yeah. it, right? As far as I as far as I know, yeah, you know, he married another animator. They have two kids, or maybe just yeah, no, two kids. And he has a tough relationship with his son, who like right. tried to follow him in the yeah. biz. But that's all I know. So I don't know why he's so drawn to this story, this classic Japanese novel of the your wife's in a sanatorium and she's dying of tuberculosis mm-hmm. and all. But he clearly is. Yeah. And that sort of push and pull between like work and love. Uh, right. And is it better to make the most of the time you have? You're right. Right. You know. Exactly. Right. Better it, to have loved and lost than never right. have loved at all. Right. right. That sort of thing. Right. But um, like because that whole dynamic is so interesting of her being like, I very much want to marry you. Right. Um, just quick note: I have a hardcore tuberculosis, and I won't marry you until I am better. Right. And then she gets so much worse that he's like, "Cool, I'm going to override your request. Right. Uh, we just I'm going to marry the shit out of you now. But we know it's doomed. Right. That shot is uh, so upsetting when he gets the... Um, the telegram and the blood. And yeah. then it cuts to her uh, over her painting with blood dripping out of her mouth right. through her fingers mm-hmm. onto the painting. Yeah. It's very uh, visceral. It like, looks like something from Mononoke. Like, it doesn't look, you know... I know. It's, it's such an unreal amount of blood gushing. Sure. And a constant stream. Right. Uh, and it just looks like it's pouring out of her face because her hands are so fully over her face. It's not just like, oh, it's coming out of her mouth. It's like her whole head is bleeding. Yep. Uh, yeah, it sucks. You got his sister, who's kind of a great character, actually. Yeah. I like that she has her own um, arc, like, outside of the movie. But when she shows back up, like, now she's a doctor. Like, and right. she's, like, an independent person. And, and she's, she's like, I got the read on this. It's bad. Yeah, right. She's like, he's, she's not going to make it. Yeah. And he, he's in denial. Like, that, that, I right. think that's 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 the sort of shared thing between his love and his work. Like he wants to create and do all this stuff, but he yeah. is in denial about like what it's going to be for, even though it's literally the military being like, make it faster, you know, make it more deadly, you know, right. I mean, like, what are they saying? Well, yeah. And it's also right. Make it's it lighter. Like, like maybe it'll take off from an aircraft carrier or whatever. Right. Right. It's hard to love something fully. If you think so much about how it can go wrong. Right. So you you put on blinders to some degree. Yeah, you focus on the things you love about it and the things that make you feel good about it. Right. And right. it's like this marriage he has is uh, is going to make him sad. Right. But also the fact that he's just like, well, and I'm going to keep on being obsessed with my work as I always am because nothing in my life has changed because this is normal and you're right. not going to die. Right. And everyone's like, you leave her alone. Right. 
Yeah. Well, you just sit over a desk and draw planes all day. Right. She's going to be dead super soon. And he's like, no, she's not. It's all fine. And she's like, I love it. I love that you go to work. I will also stay alive forever. Yeah. Like, they're both just playing and this game of And then when it's time for her to die, she just leaves. She just leaves and leaves. Because she knows how horrible it'll be. Bunch of notes. David's pushing away his microphone. Oh, look who's having the breakdown uh, now. I have just, this movie is very, uh, yeah. um, it's my favorite movie of this year. It was my favorite movie of 2013. Mm. Um, and it was one of those things. It like a lot of Miyazaki movies were like, I, it almost felt like, I was like, I, that's too, you know, it's, I shouldn't even glimpse this. It's, it's, yeah. you know, too moving and uh, it's unbearable. That's, I already said that it's unbearable. What was my favorite movie of 2013? I don't know. I mean, there were some good movies that year. <sighs> Inside Lewin Davis is that year. Wolf oh, of Wall Street. I, I, Francis Ha. My top two were Lewin Davis and Spring Breaker. So, of course, that's the answer. Yeah. 12 Years a Slave is that year. Iron Man 3. Great yeah. movie. Before uh, Midnight. Man, right. But it's, yeah. Lewin, Counselor. Lewin fucking Davis and, and Spring Breaker. Another um, movie where it's supper for your art and what's the point? Yeah. Spring Breakers? Well, Lou, well, well. Oh, Lewin Davis. Right. Yeah. Well, if your well, art's Robert, Lewin Davis is more <laughs> like. I feel like this is JD's take, and I'm borrowing it, but and, I, I love I, his take on this one. Right, where it's like life, you know, is creativity. It's like this iteration where it feels like it's the same every single fucking time you're trying, but it actually is changing very slowly. Right. And that may or may not be good or worth it or, you know, progress even. But also that you're stuck in these loops. Right. And like once a loop, you have an opportunity. Right. To actually like grab the brass ring and you keep on, like if you miss it, you will keep on finding those opportunities again. But the people who are self-destructive right. are destined to miss them over yes, and over and over 100%. again. 100%. Right, that there you witness in the movie like five opportunities he has right. to really do something good, and he just keeps on fucking them up. And the flip of the beginning and the end of that movie is just like it doesn't matter. Like this is just going to repeat. That's what I love about it's movie. going to repeat, and most likely he will not someday get it together. Right. There's a chance one of these times he wises up and he sees clearly and he's able to like jump through the the hole when it presents itself and to find success and happiness on the other side. But most likely not. Right. What a great movie. Uh, everything's bad. No! Uh, <laughs> Everything is not bad, you dingus. This movie uh, is beautiful. This is the God. kind of movie where... And you don't even see her die. It's just there's a gust of wind yes, and he like, knows. He knows. Yeah. Okay, Nirvana, dumb. Mm. We all know what? the song. Nirvana, dumb. Oh, oh okay. The song, I thought you were he calling wasn't saying they are dumb. dumb. Please. No. Sure. More like David dumb Very simple. for thinking that. Yeah, yeah you dumb. Very simple idea. <laughs> From all sides. <laughs> Very simple idea. And, and it essentially is just like stupid people actually have maybe have a happier life. Yes. Right? This movie, seeing this, I'm like, I, I, I want to be dumb. Yeah. I don't want to know all well, about you're, this. You're a cipher. Ignorance is bliss. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. right. I do yeah. not want to touch the ineffable I, like, beauty of I the world. I see all this and it's I just, just want to be like, like da, 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 ba, 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 ba. give me that. Give me that. Yeah, I'm right. like, I watch this movie. I'm like, okay. How do I learn how to like football? Because right. I, I, maybe I can watch that, <laughs> yeah. and that will help me get through living. I don't care. If what this... if we keep doing this podcast, but you're just like, yeah, I didn't watch the movie. You guys like football? <laughs> it's Wait, good. And with guys, our... have you been to Applebee's recently? <laughs> it rules. Okay, Applebee's does roll. Uh, but no, but this is why half the stuff I like is dumb. 
You know, like all the show where people are like, why does Griffin eat all this terrible food? Why is he like all these? They're really coming at your diet. Why does he buy all these toys? And it's like because half the time I need to like just like fucking dull my mind with things that are just like baseline enjoyment, no deeper thought. Right. And then the other half of the time I think about everything too much. Anyway, Applebee's has. uh, had a big Long Island iced tea summer with one one dollar. What are we? What's our running time at? Seventy minutes. Oh, okay. Seventy minutes. Yeah, it's pretty rapid for us. Briskest episode ever. Um, what? I mean, we we sort of talked about the end at the beginning. There's a breeze. There's a breeze, and he senses it's his wife like dying. He sees the successful launch of his plane, but then he has this final conversation with his uh, dream manifestation of his idol. Right. Uh, trying to uh, reassure him. his his uh, sort of guilt and his uh, second guessing of uh, the way he lived his entire life. I'm trying to think of any other part of the movie we might have missed, but I guess not. Like, even though it's not a short movie, it's like two hours. Yeah, two seconds. Two hours and change, right? Yeah. Um, it is pretty quiet, and the plotting is pretty spare. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. A lot. I mean, look, a lot of him just drawing and testing planes. Yeah, well, you know, got to test those planes. Uh, should we hate them? Should we hate them? Should we do the box office game? Sure. Um, anyway, this movie uh, is beautiful. There was a thing. Well, maybe I'll talk about this first. It's a thing we've overlooked. And we recorded most of these episodes before any of them had come out, right? Uh-huh. We, we banked these up. Yeah. Uh, so we, we record them largely out of the echo chamber of hearing people react to them. Sure. But when the Nosca episode came out, and we're recording this right after that. Um, I saw some people on Reddit pointing out, like, you know, the context that I hope you guys get to, which I can now say we did not in an earlier episode, so I think it is important to talk about. Okay. Is that uh, his first two movies are adaptations, sure. right? One's adaptation of his own work, but a yeah. work that was fairly successful and long-running. And the other thing is an adaptation of someone else's work that was incredibly successful and super long-running. Right. But that the real dividing point for him is when he makes... Uh, Castle in the Sky right? because he decides to found an animation studio on the principle of making original films, which at that time was pretty much unheard of. Sure. That people were not using anime to tell original stories, that it was predominantly adaptations of pre-existing works, continuations of long-running franchises, the idea of making one-off films based on no pre-existing material or being based on Western material or obscure sources, not being based on manga or folklore or what have you, uh, was very bizarre. And he kind of shifted the entire industry just by doing that, by planting his flag, by Castle on the Sky being successful, by being able to continue running in that direction and make films that are just films. And what is very much kind of the opposite of what we're experiencing today in our monoculture, which is it's hard to just make a thing that is just one thing. Everything has to have the promise of it can go on forever and ever and ever in some sort of sense. Um, and he kind of flipped that script in a fascinating uh, way. And uh, this movie as a final film is like a film that uh, uh, not only wouldn't have existed if he hadn't had the career he had, mm-hmm. uh, but also the notion of anyone making a film like this was kind of uh, absurd right. and unimaginable. Right. And that he did sort of like expand the boundaries of animation in a way that uh, I don't know if anyone has done in Western culture with that level of critical and financial success. I think there's a shift in terms of 
what Pixar did that moved yeah. things away from the Disney model because the model was so binary in terms of an animated film is always a musical, it's always a fairy tale, it's always this kind yeah, of yeah, thing yeah, yeah. with very little variation. Right. But we still have yet to see people really experiment right. with even Pixar really just ended up creating their own model. Exactly. Like it's not like they created a sort of limitless sandbox or what you know, like right. Right. And they to some have their own extent, uh, Miyazaki created his own model, but there's to more some variation extent. within it. Yeah. And other filmmakers within the studio established different models. Right. And, and also other filmmakers did their own things outside right. of the studio. Right. He then he made it a commercially viable thing for animators to be able to pitch. Uh, original films. I, I just think it's a fascinating thing we hadn't talked about it and I didn't realize that until someone pointed out in the Reddit. Thank you to the person who I'm now not crediting because I'm bad at my job. I'm just going to, before we do the box office game, yeah. that was all good. A um, well, few things I wanted to remember. Thank you for your support. I support you fully and completely. Okay. Um, Miyazaki created the manga just as a hobby. Yeah. Didn't think the movie would be, it, would be, it could be turned into a movie because it wasn't for children. Yeah. Uh, but a staff member said the children should be exposed to things they're not familiar with. Mm-hmm. And Miyazaki was like, you're right. Crazy. Kind of the kind of interaction you'd love to watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, he'd love he, to see it. He, he'd love to see it. He was inspired also by this quote from Hiro uh, Horikoshi. Um, All I wanted to do was make something beautiful, mm-hmm. which I'm sure is the kind of thing, again, as, judging from this film, he saw so much in, like yeah. so much tragedy and so much, st- yeah. you know, transcendence. Um. What else? Uh, was it Venice? Have you Toronto? seen uh, uh, Tell Them Anything You Want? No. The uh, documentary about Marie Sendak that Spike Jones did? No, I never have. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, I never have. It's I a, am aware it, of it. It's maybe one of my favorite films ever. Sure. And it's like 45 minutes long, so I don't talk about it. You can't talk about it. You're not allowed. It's uh, Fight Club Rules. Uh, no, but because it's like a, a long short, I don't think of it when I'm thinking about like movies. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a thing I probably watched ten times. And it, it, Murray Sendak is a guy who has a similarly weird sort of like monastic approach to his work and his relationship to his audience and the purity of the work and his discomfort with the success and commercializations of the lives that some of his things have gone on to and all that. But it's like him at his home in his dying years. And uh, sort of looking back on everything. Right. And he was a very prickly man. Sure. Uh, and I think a very fascinating man. But he says this thing. There's this moment in it. And he's very uh, unsentimental. Right. You know, like Spike Jones keeps on asking him, like, are you scared about death? And he's like, no, it's just going to happen. And he keeps on joking, like, I'll die tomorrow. I'll die tomorrow. I'm going to be dead. No one cares. I'm some guy. I made some books. Who cares? And he's like, Maurice, how can you say that? And he's like, none of it matters. Like, he's like very – Sort of flipping about it. Like, I just showed up. None of my work, you know, it's, uh, I just was a guy. I did a thing. Um, but there's one moment that's, uh, you know, he talks about when his dog died and he almost cries. He talks about when his longtime romantic partner died and he almost cries. And the only other moment where he gets emotional about something is he talks about how he still feels like he has one work left in him and he never did another work. Uh, there's no other work from the time that they started filming this documentary. Right. But the thing he says, he like closes his eyes and it's like he's imagining what the thing is. He doesn't have an idea of what the project is, but he knows what he wants the project to be. And he's like, I want to make something that is just so simple. Mm. Mm. And he says it with this intensity that has like haunted me. Where okay. he could see so clearly, he's like, everything I've made has too much going on. 
<laughs> you know? Uh-huh. And he's like, what if I could make something with the bare minimum that had the same sort of effect? And I feel like that's like a big Miyazaki principle for as much as he puts into a lot of these movies. It is the philosophy of like what's the simplest way to tell a very complicated story or to add very complicated creatures or visuals or any of that, you know? That sort of clarity. Uh, And this feels like his simplest movie in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, if this isn't his final film, which it isn't. And uh, who knows if How Do You Live uh, will actually be his final film or not. Uh, I just I hope it is Lovely. similarly s- simple. Okay. You know? How do you live? I, not well. We already did this joke. Oh, also, um, this movie lost to Frozen for Best Animated Feature Film of the Year. Of course. I mean, it wasn't going to win. but No, he got his award. That's how the Oscars That's feel. Right. Despicable Me Too got robbed. Despicable Me Too was one of the nominees. Can you name uh, the other two? Uh, okay, wait. So Wind Rises, Frozen, Despicable Me 2. Uh, there's not a Pixar in there? No. And there's not a Leica in there? No. So the other two were the other two G-Kids releases, or was one of them a studio release? Well, it's studio. Okay. I don't think the other one was G-Kids, but it was like an art movie. Huh. One of them's a studio. It's one I of think, the major— uh, No, it looks like this was G-Kids, the, the art movie. Is it The Red Turtle? No. That was a couple years later. A couple of years. I'm trying to timeline this. Was it uh, like Secret of Kells? Nope. Or the, what's the other one called? It Song of the, the Sea? Song no. Of the sea okay. No. What country? French or French Canadian. It's not Ernest and Celestine. It is. Okay. And then the other one's a studio film, and it's not a DreamWorks, or is it? Uh, I couldn't. Uh, yeah, I think it is a DreamWorks. Yeah. You think it is a DreamWorks? Yeah, it's a DreamWorks. And it's a first film. It's not a sequel? No. The fuck is that? <laughs> The fuck is this? This existed? Yeah, it existed. They're making a sequel now. What? Oh, with the Croods? Yeah. What they, the fuck is the Some Croods? people speak up for that one. I've never I seen it. I am not a fan. Yeah. Uh, that movie. Uh, it's they, like Caveman. Caveman. Yeah, they have canceled, uncanceled, recanceled, uncanceled that movie. I believe it's being made. Now, but yeah. they keep on canceling right. it and uncanceling it. Uh, when I was working on uh, Nikki and Sarah Live, the MTV show. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was supposed to be the Daily Show, but about pop culture and for teenage girls, uh, in which MTV executives uh, several weeks into the show decided uh, we don't think girls like jokes and asked uh, two professional female stand-up comedians to put less jokes in their show. Um, the world's bad. But I uh, was assigned to do a sketch that was based around Emma Stone and Ryan Reynolds were uh, going to be in town doing a junket sure. for the Crudes. Right. And the bit was Nikki and Sarah, uh, uh, Nikki Glazer, Sarah Schaefer, going to go to the junket and ask Ryan Reynolds and uh, Emma Stone really dumb questions. Right. And the bit will be that I am in studio as their entertainment correspondent, but also the world's number one crude fan. Right. And I'm really angry that they didn't ask crude related questions. And so they went and they shot the interview and then we wrote our sketch and the sketch was – no one cares about the crudes. The joke is that no one cares about the crudes. Write all the crude specifics in the world. Have him talk about the crudes as if it's like a sacred text. And it's just me flipping out about something dumb that I like, right? Classic Griffin Newman bit. Sure. Uh, and uh, MTV killed the sketch because they thought we were giving too much free promotion to the crudes. Okay. And we said the premise of the sketch is yeah, that. No, I heard you. No one cares about it. And they went, well, uh, you can't do it. 
and it was going to air, it was going to be live the next day. And they had already filmed the interview. Live New York uh, uh, Tuesday night. Um, So they said to us, uh, you just have to rewrite the sketch quickly and just uh, have there be no Crude's references. Turned out very badly. Wind rises to transcendent sublime film. <laughs> Is that the same year as the Croods? Yeah. You just said it was. Like, uh, you know, wind rise, yeah. Nominated yeah. the same year. Nominated the same year. I thought that was the craziest note I've ever gotten. It's a weird note. I don't know. MTV's very stupid. Or was. I agree, 100%. Seems like. You know, I don't know, unless they want to hire us now. Yeah, exactly. Hire us right now, Viacom. Okay, box office game. Yeah, all right. Here we go. Here we go. Cut the crude story out or put it in three times. Yeah, put it in, like, sprinkle it through the episode. Sprinkle it a couple times. <laughs> yeah, right. Do a Pulp Fiction style. <laughs> Spread it out. Yeah, exactly. Get right. Little glimpses on it. I don't know. Yeah, make it a Patreon bonus. Yeah. But label it, no, don't listen. It's its own tier. Boring story inside. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. We zinged him. He zinged me. Oh, boy. I'm just kidding. Rude. Um, more like rude story. More like rude story. I mean, I'm just getting revenge for that dumb dig you did earlier. The Nirvana dumb dig. Oh, yeah. That was pretty brutal, wasn't getting it? Fucking but... revenge for that. Revenge is sweet. Oh, man. What if Miyazaki's like, I'm going to do another movie. It's uh, called uh, Death Wish. It's a remake of Death Wish. It's about a guy who kills people. Like, if he like, made like the most crass movie yeah. ever. He's like, I've always wanted to make a really gross movie that sucks. He just does like, toxic adventure. Right, exactly. Yeah. Uh, but no, Sexist instead, drone. Instead, he's like, how do we live? What's the message I should leave to yes. my grandson? Right. February 21st. Jesus Christ. Do your mouth. Do your juice harp. <laughs> February 21st, 2014. Right after my birthday. February 19th. No, it, yeah, so 2014. Yeah. That's weird. What? Because it came out here later? Yeah, I guess so. What are you confused by? Well, why do I consider it a 2013 movie? Because I believe it, it had, had like a, a limited run. qualifying yeah, right, right, right. year-end release. Like, that's like not then, in the box right. office because they don't report that. Right, and then they one. waited to release it wide until With after the, the Oscar nomination. And I believe when they released it wide, it had the dub. I mean, you could choose. You think that was the dubbed version of the film? That's it. Thank you for clearing that up. Uh, it debuts limited, you know, 21 screens, makes 300 grand. But number makes one. five, which is more than I thought this movie made. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because this was also 138 released. 138 worldwide or Under Touchstone. Like the other Miyazakis, the other Ghibli's. They were Disney. Right. right. And Disney was like, this is not a kid's movie. Which it is not. Yeah. It has smoking as well, yeah, which they have. So there's a lot of smoking in this movie, actually. Oh, it was killing me. It kept making me want to have a cigarette. Well, smoking is kind of cool to look at in a movie anyway, but yeah. visually, you know, animated, it's very cool. Oh. What if the next Miyazaki film, How Do You Live, is, is just about jeweling? Yeah, he's like... <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love sucking on those sweet pods. Yeah. For the record, I quit vaping. Cool. I approve. Cool. But you're smoking still. More. <laughs> <laughs> sort of, uh, you know, <laughs> up and down with you. <laughs> I quit vaping, but I added a lot more smoking to the sked. This was working out. All right. The Lego. Man, fuck. I gave it <laughs> Number one is the Lego movie. Three weeks. And it's third week, still number one. Uh, Adding theater. It was a huge film. It was. You'll forget, a Open movie. to 70 ended up at 250, yeah. uh, which is why the drop-off on the second one is like so kind of uh, crazy. But it's a, they they killed the Golden Goose. They did. They and did too it, much It's not the second one. It's the fourth one. You know right, what I mean? The that's the problem. I mean, look, and we know that Lego Batman's a masterpiece. And we yeah. stand. 
But Lego Ninjago is the one that I think killed the franchise by having those two movies come out in the same year. It was crazy, and we called it when it was happening on this podcast. Check the tape. Okay, number two. I believe it's it's opening this week. It's an action film. Okay. Uh, with a you know a big star, but he's an older star now. I think he's going for a Taken thing. Uh, is it the Sean Penn one? No. You've worked with this actor. Oh, is it? Uh, 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 it's you a cost. It. It's a cost movie. It, it's not Three Days to Kill. Yeah, it is that one. That's it. It's the McGee joint. Three McGee, Days to Kill. I believe it's a Relativity. I believe so. Haley Steinfeld. Uh, Haley Steinfeld's in that. I believe she plays his daughter. Yeah, Amber Heard. Yeah, Connie Nielsen. Yeah. What's it about? He's got three days to kill or something. Yeah, and she's his daughter. I don't know. I just remember it coming out underperforming, going like, "Oh boy," because uh, draft day was like uh, three weeks away. But I mean, this is such a nothing. Whatever. Anyway, came out, made thirty million bucks. That was supposed to be the corridor of like he's in Jack Ryan, and then he's in Three Days to Kill, and then draft day's gonna come out, and he's gonna reclaim the title. Didn't quite. Go Didn't happen. Well, draft day still remembered though. Three Days to Kill is not. It is not. Third film is um, it's like an epic period. Mm. I guess it's an actioner mm. from a director I admire, but I've never seen this movie. And unless we go do them on the miniseries, I probably never will. Hmm. You admire, but you've never seen. And I feel like we were just talking about this movie. Is it like based? I mean, you said it's period. Is it like it's based, based on, on like a, true a historical story? event? Yeah, it's based on like a real historical event. Yeah, um, like a tragedy or like a triumphant event. Tragedy. It's a tragedy. Yeah, it seemed like it sucked. Yeah, no fun. This isn't like Pompeii, is it? It is. Another movie that like just like oh right that was the thing there was right. like a Kit Harrington, Kit Harrington, uh, Emily Browning, right? Kiefer Sutherland, yes. It's got a very weird Jared cast. Jared Harris, Carrie Ann Moss? Yeah, very I should see it. weird cast. Is there any chance it's good? I feel like the reviews were terrible. I think it was probably Quentin Tarantino's top film of that year. <laughs> he always Paul puts WS a WS on his top 10. Oh, I like WS, but uh, yeah. I don't know. Seems a little boring. Also, it's just one of those movies where they're like, well, life's good here in old Pompeii. How's the uh, mountain doing? Looks good. No trouble there. <laughs> Anyway, it's off to work for me. And you're like, when's it going to fucking <laughs> blow up? You know, come on. I know what it does. Be good if you made a movie called Pompeii and it's just set it like another time. And they're like, and the mountain never blew up. Sure. Uh, was this its opening weekend? Yeah. This movie like really, really did not Open to 10. Yeah. Gross 23. Yeah. Weirdly made 94 foreign, so 117 worldwide. Yeah. Made 80% of its money overseas. Crazy. But Kit Harrington's like a couple years into Game of Thrones at that point, and they were like, movie star? And then he hasn't really led any movies since then. He's been busy with Game of Thrones. I know. Which is, no, I am not, you know. I'm I, saying Miller Clark's done more stuff outside. Some of the other people have done more stuff outside. Yeah, I, since then, I mean, well, Seventh Son. Is he the lead in that? No, he's in it. He's in it. Right, uh, Ben Barnes is the son. The he made son. a spooks movie, which is uh, called right. MI Five in right. this country. Yes, um, uh, that's kind of it. Yeah, and he was in the the Xavier yeah. Dolan movie. Yeah, well, King of the North, you know, King. But you know what he's funny in is the um, the Seven Days in Hell. Oh yes, he's so funny in that. Yes, the you know the Andy Samberg yes. movie. 
TV. Oh, movie. I didn't see that. Yeah. It's really fun. Um, okay, next film on the old A film list. I think you just find personally objectionable. I hate it. I don't know if you've seen it, but you object. I object. I think you've seen it. I think I've seen it, and I object. It's a remake. Uh, is it the Robocop remake? Uh, no good. You have seen it. I have seen it. Yes, I saw it. Even when I was still not watching the Robocop sequels, I went, I went <laughs> to see that. It yep. is uh, not good. No. Makes a lot of really, really stupid choices. Um, sure. Is he not a Robocop? Yeah, that's one of the biggest dumb choices. Okay. Now, the fifth film mm-hmm. here was a, sort of a prestige film, but it's coming out in February. Mm. A pushback? It, possibly. I don't okay. remember if it was. Yeah. Um, made like 80 million. Wow. 154 worldwide. Monuments Man? And like, you know... Completely forgotten. Yes. Big cast, Clooney, Damon, Bill Murray, Kate Blanchett. That, that was John definitely Goodman. a pushback because they thought like six months earlier, they were like, I mean, this is going to fucking sweep the Oscars, right? It did have that good shepherd. Uh, well, the names, you know, the right. names. Right. Um, and uh, when I interviewed Clooney, he was like, I think I fucked up Leatherheads. I don't think I fucked up that movie. I wanted to make that movie. I wanted to make like an old fashioned 40s Men on a Mission, like pretty straight down the middle movie. And that's exactly what that movie is. I have never seen it, so I could not confirm or deny. Uh, That's weird because he famously has a bunch of emails that came out in the Sony hacks uh, that are him, yes, apologizing to Amy Pascal for (laughs) fucking up the movie. Uh, Here's a headline. George Clooney racked by guilt over Monuments Men, Sony emails show. Well, that's not what he said to me. He uh, he emailed Amy Pascal. Well, he hated the reviews. Oh, okay, okay, all right. Yes. Right, uh, right. He said, it's getting worse. He needed protection from the reviews. Let's just make it a hit. I haven't slept in 30 hours. It's 7 a.m. She said, we will protect you by making money. That's the best revenge. Man, I kind of... And he responded, I adore you, Amy. You are literally the only person running a studio that loves film. Possibly. I fear I've let you all down. Not my intention. I apologize. I've just lost touch. Who knew, said Clooney. Sorry, I won't do it again. I feel for the guy. He wants people to like his movies. I know. Sheesh. This is a little bleak, right? Well, I mean, he keeps getting to make things, obviously, because, yeah. you know, he's famous. Yes. But uh, it's kind of nice to know that he wasn't like, well, fuck the critics. You know, who cares? No. He like, was like emailing her. He was like, I'm about to get roasted like a Kenny Rogers. It's a Kenny Rogers in here. And uh, I, like, I fucked It's okay. Up. We'll make money. It's all right. Yeah. And he's like, eh. No. No, it's not good enough. My fault. Uh, it is kind of crazy how uh, none of the films post Good Night and Good Luck have uh, connected. Yep. That, that's the most successful one. 100%. And it's a movie that uh, no one remembers. No. And was certainly greenlit with the intention of this is going to fucking sweep. He got an Oscar nomination for the Ides of March. Yeah, which is very bizarre. He yeah. got a screenplay nod? I believe so. I remember them saying like, uh, how does this, like at this point, change your career to get a screenplay nod? Because he was already rolling like 10 nominations deep sure. at that point. And I remember him at some press conference going like, well, it's a big deal for me actually because if I'm like directing and starring and producing a film and they want to hire someone else to write it and I think I'd like to write it myself, I'm able to go like, hey, look, I have an Oscar nomination. So it makes me look a little more sort of uh, 
verified as a screenwriter. And I was like, oh, thank God George Clooney now has the leverage to convince <laughs> people a studio to let him do a fourth job on the I don't think that was an a issue he had. He worded it that way. I understand that, but I'm like... You, no, you, of course not. They yeah, let him yeah. do everything. Right. He makes these movies and they let him do everything. Uh, Suburbicon, Leatherheads, Ides of March, Monuments Man. Am I forgetting one? Uh, that's it. Yeah, think, right? Right? yeah. Right. He produced Argo. He won an Oscar for that, too. Everyone oh, yes. That. We told him to Argo fuck himself. And he gladly accepted. Right. Man. So Miyazaki, we got to do a bonus episode because uh, we can't end it on Clooney discussion. Well. Can't end the miniseries on like. Anyway, so in conclusion, George Clooney won an Oscar for producing Argo. Yeah. And a supporting Oscar that no one remembers. Yeah. Well, that's why when everyone's like, when I've been like, Brad Pitt might win this year for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. People are like, oh, he's not going to win for supporting after all these years. And I'm like. George Clooney did exactly that. For Siri, that was exactly what he did. Right, a film that like no one has talked no. about since. Well, what if Siri, but Syria, but also Iran, and also you know. I did not until this moment realize that's what the title is. Yeah, I've never seen that film. It's okay. Yeah, it's not the worst. From the director of Gold, Stay Gold, Baby, Adventures of Doctor Doolittle. Well, what a great end to a mini series. It's not the worst movie. It's basically just a movie that's like it's real fucked up over there, and it's kind of America's fault. And you're like. Mm-hmm. Got it. <laughs> like, Copy it. that. Right, right. Uh, but you know, it's not our fault. What? I was going to say this podcast, but it is explicitly 100% our fault. 100% our fault. Yeah. Ben is basically absolved from blame. <laughs> yes. It's the two of us. It's both your fault. fault. Yeah. Now, come on, Miyazaki. I do know that he, yes, he's been overloading your emotions. Yeah. Uh, we're 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 free of that experience. We're gonna watch Whisper of the Heart at some point. We're gonna watch a documentary, maybe. But like that's basically the end of Miyazaki. And look, we're gonna do uh, this bonus episode. will drop on Thursday. We're gonna cover the documentaries. Uh, uh, name the two titles because I'm forgetting the Kingdom, David, Kingdom of Dreams and Madness, and the other one is called. Ah, uh, let me look it up. Okay, uh, but then we get to go into Demi. Which is going to be yep. fun because we haven't had director that varied in a good little while. It varied and also just like, uh, you know, like some of them are just going to be silly genre movies, especially early on. God, I'm excited. We like that. remember, and it was just like a man's got a gun and he don't like that guy. Yeah, right. I'm excited for that, and I'm excited to watch the goofy comedies. Yep. So I think we'll have a, a, a schedule mm-hmm. out. Yes. Um, that will. Uh, Lay yeah. out basically the miniseries because mm-hmm. uh, we do have some uh, other things that will sort of uh, be coming out from got some new releases. Directors. Right, we yeah. got to cover. So all yeah. that you can refer to our uh, Twitter, yeah, our Instagram for the schedule. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's all good. Good. You got to make this episode end with a bang, David. I'm trying to find the name of the other documentary, which I did watch because that's the one that has the AI zombie. That has, it's about right. him coming out of retirement to do Borrow the Caterpillar. Right. Um. I don't know. Okay. Never Ending Man. That's there what it's called. There we go. There it is. There it is. We're doing Never Ending Man, Kingdom of uh, uh, Hopes and Dreams. What's it called? Dreams and Madness. Dreams and Madness. Um, so check in for that. Check in for Demi. Uh, we already did the Joker and the Gemini Man episode. God, who knows how those fucking things went. Yeah, who knows how Talking the Walk 2019 went. Bunch of question that's marks. coming right up. Oh, really? Yeah, that's next week. So by the time you're listening to this, we will hopefully know exactly what we're doing. Because right now, we don't. Yeah, right. Well, we'll see. Yeah. Yep. 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 Yep.
I would like to say this. Go ahead. I think that if somehow Mm -hmm. I ever have children. Yeah. Which is crazy. Yeah. The world I want to live in. Me too. It's it. This is the future that liberals want is multiple hostilies running around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stomping on the dirt. If you ever have children. Jeans. I'm going to show them Miyazaki movies. Yeah. Cool. For sure. Yeah. I think. There's a lot of really I can't great wait to do that. Great values yeah. in in his films, and I'm really uh, thank you. Oh, you're welcome for introducing me. Well, Griffin's idea to do this too. So thank you, Griffin. As well, well, but my idea was to have David introduce me too. Right, right, right. Because I except, need to do I will, except maybe like the heavier ones. Yeah. Probably not for kids. You, you know, build to them. Yeah. Thank you all very much for listening. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe. <laughs> Thanks, Andrew Gudo, for our social media. Uh, Joe Bowen and Pat Rollins for our artwork. Liam Montgomery for our theme song. Uh, go to blankies.right.com for some real nerdy shit. And Public for some real nerdy shirts. And go to Patreon for some more real nerdy shit, including uh, uh, bonus shit like uh, Talking the Walk 2019 coming yeah. up. Tune in next week for the start of Jonathan Demme. We're doing the first. That's right. There's not going to be a break because we just had the two other. We got to get going, and we 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 had to do two new releases. But uh, uh, got to get going on Demme. Crazy Mama, Cage Heat, Fighting Mad. Yep. We're doing three Corbins in one episode. That's right. One of them is practically impossible to watch, but we've figured it out. Sure. Sure. Um. Yes. So anyway, thank you for listening, and as always, Miyazaki broke me. Which would you choose? What do you mean? I didn't point. Wow. 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 It's taking a dramatic pause. Wow. Okay. Go Mater. Ahead. Okay, ready? Get, uh, there are going to be clear points. I'm ready. Okay, ready? Which would you choose? A world with podcasts or a world without? What do you mean? Humanity has always dreamt of listening, but the dream is cursed. My aircraft are designed... I fucked it. I fucked it up. Let me take it again. Here we go. Which would you choose? A world with pure... Wow. (laughs) Wow. Descending into chaos. Okay, ready? Perfect. Ready? Gonna nail in one.